You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Okay. Thank you again, friends, for tuning in to 15 Minutes of Flame, where we talk and talk about sex, cannabis, and other things in between. Today, I have two of my really good friends with me. I have Dr. Katura Jeffries, a palliative care doctor and family practitioner, and Shamira Edmonds. She is a marketing professional and founder of Passport to Cuisine, a culinary travel community that experiences the world through food. She is also a breast cancer survivor who is still in active treatment and is currently rediscovering herself after her diagnosis. So thank you, ladies, for joining me Thank today. you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Wonderful so, to be here. Thanks. So we, we, we're going to get into some interesting conversation uh, in a bit, um, mainly about sexuality and, and chronic illnesses and disability. But first, you know, I have to give folks a review of Canon News you can use. Um, you know, this weekend, unfortunately, I missed the uh, cannabis parade. It's the fifth year for it in New York City. They uh, had it in Union Square yesterday, but I had to fly into Detroit, and it was just too much for me to go into Manhattan and get back to Newark. But um, I'm sure that was an exciting time. And actually, I think it's like a global movement now, this cannabis parade. They yeah. call it like the founding global cannabis parade. So that's pretty cool. Um, also in the news, Las Vegas legislators just voted to have cannabis lounges in Vegas. So wow. now... You don't have to just buy your uh, goods. You can actually go somewhere and uh, toke up like a, <laughs> like a bar, a lounge, okay? Not just hookah lounges anymore. So That's huge. That yeah. is huge. That's that's real grown and sexy now in Vegas. So um, it's going to be a lot of laid back and, and, and chill vibes, I can okay. imagine. Um, but anyhow, that is all the news I have for this week. Um, so... It's funny, uh, I saw this video, and Katura, you sent me this video uh, also a while back. It was uh, called The Horny Hospice, yes. remember, from Comedy <laughs> Central. And I don't know if you saw it, Shamira, but um, it was it was a skit they did, and basically it was showing that old people, elder adults, <laughs> still have needs. So they made That's like right. a parody of this hospice that provided like strippers and sex toys and I guess parties <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, this free sexual expression of like old folks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was really funny because mm -hmm. um, when we think about older people, we definitely don't think about their sex drives exactly. and their sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, people feel like after a certain age, it may diminish. Um, but the truth is, as long as you are healthy uh, and you are, you know, physically able, then, you know, you may be sexually active for a, a very long time. So, you know, um, I don't want to say the sex drive never dies because for some it does. But for the most part, um, a lot of people still have it. Uh, and even when you're not an old person, um, we know young people end up experiencing health issues uh, that may affect their ability to to be a sexual being. Right. Um, and so I know, Couture, you work in palliative, palliative care. And um, I know it's different, a little different from hospice. Can mm -hmm. you tell us the difference between that and then maybe uh, tell us about 
the medical industry's approach to discussing sex, if at all, in 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 that type of care. So, uh, again, I want to say thank you for having me, Kavisha. So um, the main thing um, we like to uh, talk about at the end of life is um, all the things that affect their quality of life. And that's what palliative care is. So palliative care is uh, is uh Addressing the whole patient, and we mostly deal with, uh, we do deal with patients who have serious illnesses, but um, it, it's addressing um, all of their needs uh, where, it, where it supports the family and the patient as it relates to their, to their illness, but not necessarily uh, like the treatment and, and things of that nature. We also try to help with symptoms related to their um the side effects of maybe the illness or the treatment um, associated with the illness. So people always associate it with hospice, but hospice is just a part of palliative care. It's not necessarily what uh, it entails. And hospice is just only pertaining to the last six months of life. And that's mm. just a benefit that uh, the patients get. So palliative care, we see, we can see those patients for years. A lot of times it's just as long as they have the serious illness, they can uh, be seen in our clinic. And it's usually because they have some type of uh, symptom that they're having a hard time controlling, like pain or um, just things that's related to quality of life. And that's where sexuality comes in. Mm, okay. And um do you feel like, I mean, in your experience with maybe some of the doctors you work with, mm-hmm. um, are they inclined to actually have the sex talks with their patients? Not not regularly. Okay. And that's funny because a lot of times, even myself, I probably wait until the veter- to the families or the patient brings it up. Okay. Because a lot of times it's not the patient that will bring it up. They don't want to talk about it all the times, but sometimes we need to talk to their mates, mm-hmm. their um, significant others, and that's true. That helps to uh, address what's going on. Sometimes they're embarrassed to say something, or they just feel like this is just what comes with my disease. But it's it can be. Uh, there's ways that we can help you right. with those things. You know, and and you was about to say, I know you work with veterans. Mm-hmm. So yes. you, you, you work at one of the veteran hospitals. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about that, and we'll come back to that because I want to give Shamira a, a chance to also tell her story. But I can only imagine, especially veterans that come back from, you know, uh, tours in war-torn countries, mm-hmm. like they, they're coming back with health issues, disabilities, mm-hmm. you know, mental health issues even. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can only imagine how that might affect intimacy mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll come back to that. So, Shamira, again, thank you so much uh, for for blessing us with your time today and, and your willingness to um, share your story. Um, you know, I was, I was talking to you, Thank you a while back and I was just saying, you know, um, it's interesting that I was around you in the beginning of your journey when you first found out yeah. that you had a diagnosis of breast cancer um, in 2017. And, you know, uh and I'm sure it's, it's been one heck of a journey. And I don't like to say that that people are strong, but I just appreciate seeing your 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 faith, your hope, just your willingness to stay positive. Because you know, a lot of times having a positive attitude <laughs> helps with healing right. uh, more Definitely. than a lot of drugs. You know, mm-hmm. hope, faith, Definitely. positive thinking is is a powerful drug in itself. Um, but you know, 
In, in what ways has your journey from diagnosis through where you are now um, affected your sexuality or your sexual being? You know, for example, any changes that you've gone through and dating and things like that? Well, it was interesting for me because, um, like I mentioned before, I never really wanted to kind of claim this this cancer, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of in denial, but I was really focused on um, integrative care, on holistic care, and uh, d- doing healthy things for my body as opposed to uh, doing traditional treatment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just chemo and, and radiation and the, and the things that were proposed to me. So I, I did things a little differently. Uh, I still dated. I, you know, was still really focused on my health and I found a great doctor that worked with me and gave me a special diet and put me on supplements to try to help my body correct itself because mm-hmm. I was in the very beginning stages of it. Um, and I, I did that for a while. And although, I mean, my face was glowing, I was beautiful, I was sexy, mm-hmm. I lost a lot of weight, like I was feeling myself. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I still had breast cancer. Okay. And um, it, it didn't go away and it was growing very, very slowly. So I, I did have to go back to the more conventional way. And um, I did end up having, you know, chemo and, and radiation, and I'm still in active treatment. I'm in, at the uh, the end of my journey, and I am cancer-free as of now, but there's Praise still God. other... <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, I am officially cancer-free, um, you know, but there's still other treatments that you have to go through. And it's it's such a long process. It's a long, daunting process on your body, you know, on your mind. But I, I do believe that um, the holistic treatment to strengthen my body that I did before, mm-hmm. I mean, helped me tremendously. Because my doctors are like, you are the bionic woman. They they don't know how, <laughs> you know, I was able to do a lot of stuff. And okay. I still look good. You know, I put you my little wig on and I kept going. Uh-huh. And I was dating and, and meeting people. And what I found very interesting was in the beginning of my journey of, of like telling people, you know, I was meeting men and they're like, you know, I can help you through it. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> and it's like, I still wanted to meet people, but I didn't necessarily want to uh, have a full relationship. Okay. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Uh-huh. You know, I, I wanted to go out. I still wanted my brain stimulated. Want I still wanted <laughs> to be, to be flattered and yeah. feel like a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I still liked being looked at as a sexual person, as a sexual being, Yeah. you know, but I didn't necessarily want to have sex. And mm-hmm. um, that was very interesting to me because I've always, you know, I enjoy sex. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us do. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and the kind of cancer that I did have was uh, it was HER2 positive and I was estrogen and progesterone positive, which okay. means the the type of treatments that they give me are kind of taking out the estrogen out of my body, okay. you know, and for okay. a woman, that is your sex drive, that's right. you right. know, so I feel like they're killing that part of me. Um, that's really how I felt mentally. I was just like, wow, you know, I'm not going to feel like a woman. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and my, they kept talking about vaginal dryness and it's, it's, it's going to hurt and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I have not been sexually active with another person through this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, pleasure myself because I want to make sure that I'm still working. Yes, you know, um, and, and I think that that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's very important to me. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure that when I get to that point that I want to experience that with another person that I'm comfortable with myself first. Right. You know, um, let me ask you really quick. And, and this can be for, yeah. for either one of you, both, both of you can answer. Cause you know, I, I'm just listening to you and obviously the doctors are telling you what's going to happen as side effects or, for example, the vaginal dryness. But do they give mm-hmm. you suggestions for what you can do? I mean, are they just telling you the side effects without giving you like recommendations or? Yeah. How does that work? I have not been given any recommendations. Okay. Um, I, I haven't. There are things that I looked into, you know, um, and like I said, I'm just. I, I feel like with conventional treatment, they just always want to get you on another drug. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. oh, you can take this. Let me prescribe yeah. this. And I'm just not interested in that. I hear you. you know, there are side I, effects with I've those. Had a, <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've had enough drugs in me to last a lifetime at this point. Mm-hmm. That's really how I, I feel. And I'm always looking to looking for natural alternatives. What kind of things from the earth can I use? Right. You know, so... Again, I'm I'm not completely there yet um, as far as experiencing those things or trying those things out. Uh, I seem to be working just fine mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. Um, okay. I wonder if doctors but, are fearful to ask yeah. about sexuality, like just scared to ask or just mm-hmm. not even know how. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's there's they they give out some some information but not a lot Mm -hmm. and it's almost like if Mm -hmm. you don't have that specialized training I know the oncologists don't ask (laughs) well you know it's funny you say that because (laughs) apparently and it it started I think I want to say don't Mm -hmm. quote me but Mm -hmm. I want to say it started in the Netherlands Mm -hmm. but um, it's called oncosexology Mm -hmm. it's a field that Mm -hmm. basically focuses on sexuality of cancer patients Mm -hmm. I guess because cancer is so widespread Mm -hmm. now and it is global Mm -hmm. you know um, you have a lot of younger people who are diagnosed with it and then people who are living a lot longer afterwards so Mm -hmm. the sexuality and intimacy becomes very important like how do people Mm -hmm. you know go back to having um, the sex life that will make them satisfied, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and wake mm-hmm. of having been through a, a, a chronic illness, but yeah, you know, it, they might be afraid. And that's the one thing that I'm really shocked if it doesn't happen. Um, why aren't medical schools required to take a human sexuality class? You know, mm-hmm. um, because when it comes to healthcare, we know the medical community does focus on the physical, biological, mm-hmm. but so much of the physical and biological is affected by people's social, mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you know, yep. uh, yeah. their attitudes, behaviors and things like that. So I just think they should take mm-hmm. sexuality classes so that they could be comfortable because, yeah, that's going to be a part of someone's definite side effect of whatever they're going through Mm -hmm. if they were a sexual person before and now all of a sudden they have this illness that may put severe strains Mm -hmm. or just a whole pause in itself you may have to abstain Mm -hmm. from sex period you know 
Yeah. yeah. So one thing I noticed is that they're trying to do more whole health uh, care. Mm-hmm. And with whole health care, they involve more, you know, more psychologists, they okay. involve so, social work and things of that nature. And they're more trained to handle those types of things. Okay. And our main goal is to try to at least, I would say, at least in the whole health approach, at least asking about it would be a good start. And when I looked into some things... Yeah. um, you know, they, they do have some assessment tools, but a lot of them are for the psychologists. You know, they didn't have a lot for the medical doctors to actually ask. And I, I think you make a, a great point because, you know, I, I went to a therapist um, throughout my journey. And I mean, I had a doctor for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that helped tremendously mm-hmm. with a lot of the the challenges and the, emo- the emotional challenges that mm-hmm. I had with with uh, this process. And funny enough, I was going to her before, but funny enough, she was uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer around the same time that I got it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and she was on hiatus for a minute and. It was when I shared it with her is when she shared it with me because she was just like, I haven't told any of my patients. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of, we have a normal session and then we kind of talk <laughs> off the record, mm-hmm. you know, about our journey and what we're experiencing. <clears throat> and that's very helpful to have a doctor uh, or people that are in your care that have experienced what you have. Right. Um, also my radiation oncologist, she's mm-hmm. also a cancer survivor and it just helps when, when people know, they know the aches, the pains, they know, right. you know, what you're going through emotionally. It's, it's a very different treatment. And I'm very blessed to have these women, um, very blessed to be treated by a lot of women, women period, and women that actually look like me. Right. You know, um, that's also very important because I, I, I feel like as, as black women, we have different challenges mm-hmm. uh, that we go through. Absolutely. And I had to. Yeah, I had to fire a lot of doctors for not listening right. or for, you know, um, hey, I'm, I'm doing this or I'm interested in this. And, you know, people didn't take me seriously or, you know, they just want right. to be quiet. I'm not a woman to be quiet, mm. you know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why that seems to be going around this day and age. I mean, from Serena uh, to many black women who, who don't have the education and the resources. It's, it's What is it that makes our care any different? Right. You know what I mean? Um, there's this sense that, you know, since we're so strong and this and that, uh, maybe we can tolerate pain more. Maybe our symptoms are not as serious, mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot of times black women have some of the higher rates of different issues because, you know, they're not seen as mm-hmm. serious mm-hmm. soon enough. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and by the time you address it, it's in the secondary care or tertiary mm-hmm. care stage mm-hmm. and, you know, you're dealing with, saving somebody's life at that point mm-hmm. you know yeah um that's a whole nother topic that that is a whole <laughs> it, it is a whole nother topic um but but you also made me think um you said you had like a cancer mom or advocate mentor uh and i think that is really important too mm-hmm. when when you can see someone like yourself who has the same experience you know um it 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 really makes a difference you know mm-hmm. you you so many people don't want to feel like they're the only one going through something, That's right. That's right. you know, no. and so you kind of 
kind of go through that that healing together, especially when you can share share that experience with someone that knows what you are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But another thing I wanted to uh, act. Oh, you know, before I move on to this question, uh, I was going to ask you, Shamira. So I know a lot of doctors and I'm not sure how if you have to have a special certification mm-hmm. couture mm-hmm. to recommend marijuana or mm-hmm. cannabis for treatment. Um, but Shamira, did you uh, use cannabis at all in your treatment or was that something that uh, they didn't recommend or did they even talk about it as part of your treatment? I did use it as a part of my treatment, and that was more recommended through uh, my integrative okay. uh, medical doctor. Okay. So uh, she was one that that's how I got my, my license, and uh, it was recommended for me during uh, chemotherapy if I had issues sleeping or nausea or diarrhea. Uh, also to manage pain. Okay. And luckily, I didn't go through a lot of the traditional symptoms that people did. I didn't lose weight. You know, I didn't have any nausea throughout the whole thing. I had very, very little diarrhea, which was great. And uh, like I said, I I had, I'm not going to say I didn't have symptoms, but they were minimal compared to what I hear. You know, and I, I, I do believe that is because I went to this integrative doctor first and totally changed my diet mm-hmm. and, and the supplements and stuff and the colonics and uh, just purifying my body before I went through conventional treatment. I think it just helped tremendously. Okay. And the marijuana helped because sometimes, you know, you just want to get out of your head a little bit. And mm-hmm. she was the one that really kind of taught me about the difference between THC and uh, CBD. Okay. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I would use CBD, to, um, a topical oil for different things. Okay. Um, yeah, that that helped, and even now, because like after the surgeries and and uh, the radiation, uh, I'm going to a physical therapist to kind of like rebuild my shoulder. They they took a part of my lymph node out, so. Um, you know, I'm I'm just still rebuilding. There's mm-hmm. so many things that you don't think about. There's right. so many things and, you know, so many doctors that you see, but it's definitely been helpful just for mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. So I'm definitely an advocate of, you know, cannabis use. All right. And so am I. <laughs> Yay. All right. We're so, all on board. Uh, so with palliative care, we are very strong advocates of marijuana, canna- cannabis okay. use, and um, and um, cancer treatments and, and just uh, symptom control. Mm-hmm. So we um, use it as an adjunct therapy. Of course, I work for the federal government, so I'm not allowed to. <laughs> Prescribe, but there is a, um, you know, if your state allows you to have, uh, marijuana used as a medicinal, and here we've just passed a law that it's now right. for recreational, so that's right. nice, but they're, Yay. you know, I'm still working on <laughs> putting things in place to make it possible for people to not, you know, have to have, uh, repercussions to their smoking as far right. as, you know, the laws and the drug testing, but, um, far as with, um, with in palliative care, um, we, we a lot of times use a pill called Marinol, which is, um, it has the THC in it, um, and it's a pill form. And then we usually, it's been approved for cancer treatment, uh, symptom controlled for chemotherapy, um, appetite stimulant, and for pain. Okay. So, um, we do prescribe that. 
and that is okay. legal far as federally. Okay. And that um that does help my patients a lot, especially with their uh appetite. Right. Um they love um to get the munchies. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> like I just been eating all these cookies and then they keep going. You know, like, nurse them. one more cookie, please. <laughs> <laughs> so it does help in those um in some symptoms and I think it helps with their mood. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps mm-hmm. them to feel better. It helps to increase it also when it when it's taken with the pain medicine, it actually helps them to feel better and don't need as much opioids or other right. pain medication when they're taking the um, it, it could be D- CBD or THC. Now, I, I was reading this was a couple months ago that they are starting to look at replacing more opioid, you know, prescriptions yes. Yes. with cannabis based yes uh, medicine so that's good but let me just ask you this real quick so you said federally you can't but what about doctors who are not federal um are mm-hmm. they allowed to recommend marijuana even if they're not like a cannabis medical provider they are allowed to recommend oh, cool. it now okay. as far as writing being able to write the um license or allowing them to, then you have to have a certification to do okay. that yeah okay <laughs> so um you know, the question I, 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 I wanted to ask is, you know, let's talk about these soldiers when they come back. Mm-hmm. They can't have sex anymore. Maybe they lost a limb. Maybe they just don't have the desire. Um, okay. okay. Shamari, you're back? I am back. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, just not just military people, but mm-hmm. people who experience PTSD. Um, you know, any type of loss mm-hmm. of of total well-being mm-hmm. and functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about B. Smith. I know this might be a little old because mm-hmm. it's over a month. <laughs> <laughs> but people were really upset when um, her husband brought out this woman that he was dating. And, you mm-hmm. know, he actually defended himself. I think his daughter defended him. And, you know, this is probably one of the harder conversations to have when you are the partner of someone going through a chronic illness or a disability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is someone's sex life supposed to stop because their partner can no longer engage anymore? Um, Is it a bad thing? Is it salacious? Are you Mm -hmm. cheating on your partner? One of the things I was thinking when this whole B. Smith thing came out was we don't know what kind of agreement they had because she true. probably knew she was sick. Mm-hmm. She knew where that illness would go. Mm-hmm. She She's an intelligent woman. Who are we to judge them? Who are we to judge? Mm-hmm. And and maybe she knew this lady and was like, hey, you know, go mm-hmm. ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be honest. My grandmother a long time ago <laughs> said, I know <laughs> your grandfather can't get nothing from me no more. Okay. But that didn't mean that he wasn't going to be a person who didn't still have desires and and things like that. So I just want to know what you ladies think, you know, Mm -hmm. is it wrong for a partner to have other sexual arrangements if they are with someone who can no longer be a sexual person or sexually intimate? You want to go first, Shemire? (laughs) I can go first. Okay. (laughs) You There's know, only so I, much really, self-stimulation you exactly. can do. Let me just say that first. <laughs> yeah. Let me put it out there. Definitely. After after you exhausted the stuff, right. self-stimulation possibilities right. and Pornhub, <laughs> then what to do? <laughs> right. Go to Tumblr. You are right. I, I, I think that, you know, it, it's really just up to the couple. 
You know, I don't mm-hmm. think that there's a blanket right or wrong answer. You know, I, I think that, you know, when you're sick, you know what your diagnosis is. And she knew beforehand what was going to happen. So I pray that they had that conversation. Yeah, me too. Prior, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, I I feel it is just very disrespectful. If it was something that was just done quietly, mm-hmm. you know, then you, you, you do what you do. But she, she was a very public figure, right. you know, very successful woman. And it just looks like, a smack in the face, and especially with a woman that does not look anything like his mm, wife. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just on a lot of levels, it just kind of looks like, you know, she built this empire and now uh, you just flaunting, mm. <laughs> you know, you have right. a other woman while, while she's sick, mm-hmm. regardless if you're taking mm-hmm. care of her. Mm-hmm. We're not in their lives every day. We don't know the level of care that she's getting. You know, we, we don't know that. And it's really none of our business either, mm, what, what right. they do. Right. Um, but they chose to put it in the public. So they did make it our business. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know personally if I would be so comfortable because I do believe in in taking vows and and life after death. I'm pretty old fashioned. Mm -hmm. I'm also not married. Maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I just pray that they they had a, a... a, a talk before, you know, she deteriorated into the state that she is. But I stand by my point again that I don't think that there is any right or wrong. There is no blanket answer. Okay. I agree with that uh, answer. I don't really think we are here to judge. I think that um, that's very selfless of her to allow him that if they did have that conversation, because I think that's important. And I think that's very um you know, I guess it would be kind of selfish to say, no, you can't, you know, you can't do anything. But if someone brings it up and you guys are having that conversation, I don't know. I think I would be okay with it. You know, I, I just probably wouldn't want them right in my face, like mm-hmm. right in the house. That's mm-hmm. my thing. Yeah. I think I would yeah. be okay with like him saying, yeah. okay, I'm going to go out. And then mm-hmm. he, you know, and I just kind of assume yeah. he's, you right. know, <laughs> doing something. But yeah. to, for yeah. it to be directly in my face. I don't know if I would be okay with that. But I, I don't I don't know. I know I yeah. wouldn't. I mean, and you know what the, Oh, go ahead, Shamira. From what they say, when she comes out of it, she does get very angry. Mm. You know, from okay. from what I've heard. It's it's kinda like she gets angry. Like, who is this woman? What's she doing mm-hmm. here? Right. You know, she does remember certain things and she does feel a way about it. Right. You know, right. and I feel like, for you know, I have no idea dementia or Alzheimer's or what that feels like, but I can imagine, you know, being lucid again and you have that, you don't have a positive feeling. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Like if I was lucid again, I would want to have as many joyous feelings, you know, of, of seeing my mate, seeing my children, seeing things that bring me joy, right. not things that bring me anxiety that are going to put me right back at that state. And that's right. what I see when I look at that whole situation. Okay. I, I don't see anything positive from it. And mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is is really a hard pill to swallow. I, I can't imagine being in that situation. I know I'm talking about it, but I just can't imagine. But at the same time, you know, when you look at, years of life loss in one person and then the other person does not have years of life loss you know what what does for better or for worse mean Mm -hmm. you know 
Do I you're have right. to sacrifice right. something in order to make sure you're still happy? Mm-hmm. You know, or do you have to suffer from blue balls for the rest of your life? And that's too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's interesting because my my grandparents, they had uh, these friends at, who, who are both deceased now. So I feel comfortable saying it. But um, the one guy, he was married. He was married to his wife. She was disabled. And he said he was never leaving her. But everybody knew his girlfriend was my grandparents' homegirl. <laughs> Everybody knew them as a couple. Mm-hmm. They had parties together. Mm-hmm. They rolled together. They owned property together. But when he died, that family let him know, let her know that you are, you, not, you, you are not the wife. That's right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's when it mattered the most. That's when it mattered the but most. But they had a relationship <laughs> together for decades because I know they had been together since I was a little kid, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But yeah. So, and and they were still together or at least friends I know up until he died. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for someone like that, you know, I'm just wondering how did his wife deal with it for for decades? Decades. Because that was a long time, you know, Uh, but they had that understanding because everybody knew. They had that understanding. Communication is the key. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and a very open mind and heart because I'm sure it's not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not easy. You know? But uh, I, I think these arrangements have been happening since the beginning of time. Exactly. I think so, too, you even know, for people who are it's healthy. Nothing new. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing new. Yeah. I mean, you have plenty of arrangements that people are just married. They, they don't have right. sex and she's happy, you know, I have this big home or whatever, I get whatever I want, and he's That's doing true. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And and they're fine. I mean, you have all types of arrangements, all types of ages. You don't even have to be sick. Absolutely. And people have these 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 arrangements. Right. So I, I, I think it's just whatever you do in your marriage is your business. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and um, I just know for me, it's a level of respect that mm-hmm. I would want my partner to have if I was a- if I wasn't able to to be there or have my wifely duties as they say. Right. You know, if if I wasn't able to do that, it's just I would ask that you just do not flaunt it. Do not put it in my face. Mm-hmm. Do not disrespect me. Do not ha- have her disrespect me. Right. You know, and uh but I, I do agree. I, we're sexual beings and I'm still living <coughs> and you know, I, I need it. Right. And it's okay. Hey, it, and it is okay. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, even if you can't have sexual intercourse, you know, which people think that's what sex is. It's only about sticking it in or however you stick it in or whatever you stick in. But it's other things, too. You know, it, it, it's touching. It's, you know, it's intimacy. It, it's, you know, we experience our, our, our sexuality through our senses. That's why it's called sensuality. You know what I mean? How you smell, how you taste, how you sound, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, people who may have certain limitations can still get off mm-hmm. in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It don't have to be exactly. sexual intercourse um, per se. And um, I, I, I know I had to do a little research myself because I'm like, I'm sure with all the kind of dating sites that they have nowadays, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have them for people who, you know, may uh, be living with chronic illnesses or disabilities. And Lemonade seems like it's a popular one mm-hmm. um, because they have some sites that are specific to different uh, conditions. But mm-hmm. Lemonade is like, 
whatever your condition is, you can disclose or you don't have to disclose. Mm. So, you know, it's probably why it's popular because, you know, people want to disclose whenever they feel comfortable um, disclosing their illness and things like that. And then the other thing, um, you know, the, 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 the flip side of, of living with disabilities or having chronic illness and being in like centers and homes, mm-hmm. you know, people often are abused because mm-hmm. they don't, you know, people are not looking at them as sexual beings. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, for example, I, I don't know if you all heard about the lady who was in a coma for like 14 years in that hospital out in Arizona. And she okay. delivered a baby, okay. and it was, was like, okay, somebody was having sex with her <laughs> in order for her to have a baby, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and you sometimes hear about elder sexual abuse in in, yeah. in nursing homes and things like that too. They so. have the highest yeah. rate of sexually transmitted diseases behind teenagers <sighs> as elderly. Yeah, it is that, and that's I very true. That. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I I remember years ago when they said like the HIV rate was going up in people over fifty. <laughs> And I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Well, first of all, let, let me go back and give you a funny, funny fact. So Viagra was a fluke. I, mm-hmm. You may already I know that, that you know, <laughs> because it was designed for like heart medication. Heart and these guys all of a sudden start feeling these erections because I think most heart medications may reduce the erection. And this one came and it was like, I got a boner. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they was like, oh, honey. This medication is good. So now, yeah, fast forward, Viagra, people who don't even need it, take it, okay? But, um, oh, gosh. And it was passed through Congress very quickly. Oh, And, of course, it's covered by your your insurance company as well. Yes. They want to shut down birth control. They want to shut down. Hey, don't you shut Mm -hmm. down my Viagra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's congressman you but know. yeah yeah limit birth control but don't give up my viagra but um exactly. so you know i mean people being taken advantage of is is, is a real thing mm-hmm. and um yeah. like i said you know people over 50 sometimes may not feel that they have the same risk because they can't get pregnant anymore so they're not taking the same precautions mm-hmm. but um yeah mm-hmm. they 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 are at higher risk so i have a story to tell oh please do <laughs> so i do hospice at the va so i had a uh a gentleman with uh end stage uh um cancer of his uh gallbladder which is pretty terminal mm-hmm. so he had like a tube coming out of his belly and his belly was big and all this and he kept leaving the facility and i kept saying hey you cannot leave the facility you are here from hospice care if you die out there I, what is going to happen i cannot you cannot keep leaving so you know i figure oh maybe he just wants some drugs or maybe he wants mm-hmm. you know he's trying to get out of here to smoke or anything so i'm i'm like i'm offering him okay i can get you some cigarettes so you know if you want to have a drink mm-hmm. you know we allow people to drink in hospice we allow you to you know do everything besides shoot up or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if he had a heroin addiction, I would make sure he got some methadone, you know, just whatever he needed. I'm like, I can take care of whatever you need. It's hospice. Tell me what the issue is. Mm -hmm. He said he did a a motion like he was trying to have sex. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) well, oh, well, (laughs) I kind of was, you know, my mouth dropped because I guess I never asked about that. I'm just thinking, oh, if you're mm-hmm. trying to sneak out, you're trying to get some drugs or you're trying to, mm-hmm. you know. But he, 
And I said, wow, I, well, you know, can she come here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Look, I'm trying to help you live your best life here. Bring, We can bring the girls, too. <laughs> so it brought up, a, you know, it was just interesting to me because that was that never crossed my mind that he would actually mm, just yeah. wanted to have sex. And I thought to myself, well, why not? Exactly. <laughs> but you yeah, can't go out here. Yet. You know, what do you want <laughs> We yeah, really need want. the horny hospice. Thing, we right? do. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would provide I jobs. Idea. I have fun. Please send this to me. I, I will. I will. The, yeah. and the, I, you know what? And and it would provide a lot of jobs for sex workers yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. You, wait, that's true. So that's sleep, true. so speaking of sex workers, <clears throat> there is a documentary um, that came out years ago. Um, it's called The Scarlet Road. And basically it focused on this Australian sex worker who dedicated. She was like, I'm not seeing regular guys no more. I'm just going to dedicate my life to seeing disabled men and men oh, with like good. chronic illnesses. And it's just like, you know, yeah, these Why people, not? they still have sex organs. They work. And they are sexual beings. That's it right. did not go away. And that's healthy. Because they have a condition. And it's healthy. That's right. It is healthy. It is. It's healthy for the mind and the body. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, wow, with that said, this this was a great conversation, ladies. Mm-hmm. I, I hope you. we help some people that's with this information. Um, because it's not always easy to talk about, number one, having a, a, a illness. So, again, thank mm-hmm. you, Shamira, for just, you know, lending your voice, sharing your story and being, you know, open about it. Um, and, and I hope it does help other women who uh, may listen to this podcast. Um, I also want to shout out there is an organization actually called the Scientific Network on Female Sexual Health and Cancer. Mm. Um, they actually <laughs> are in their seventh year and they're going to have like a conference in uh, Ohio State at Ohio State coming up in November. So, you know, for for people who may want to learn more about it, it's an organization dedicated uh, to practitioners, clinicians, and researchers to really kind of focused on the whole being of women, you know, going through treatment after treatment and, you know, getting back to their sexual selves Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, maintaining their sexual selves throughout. Um, and then thank you, Dr. Jeffries, mm-hmm. all right, for joining us mm-hmm. and uh, giving us your, your expertise <laughs> and knowledge. And um, one question before we leave, you know, uh, you can feel free to answer because I'm going to give you mine. <laughs> so Mother's Day is next week, <laughs> right? Like, um, is it appropriate to get your mom a sex toy as a gift? Oh. I mean, you know, moms, they go to pole dance parties for bachelorette. <laughs> You know, not bachelor, well, bachelorette parties and bridal showers nowadays. They act like they down when they're there and ha ha ha. But would your mom accept a sex toy Ooh, as a gift? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, she I think it depends on the mom. <laughs> it definitely depends on the mom. I'll just say my mom held to the double O. She, she, we barely have sex conversations, so. She she's not having that, but I do know yeah. some moms that probably would take one gladly. My mom, I don't know if she would take that, but I did give her some estrogen cream one time because okay. I said, "Now, mom, I know you." Um, she said, "I do have some dryness, you know." Oh, I'm talking about my mom business, but 
We don't see your face or your mother's. That's why we're a podcast. But she was very happy that I gave her that cream. And she started asking, like, how can she get some more? See? Oh, I mean, she's definitely still active. I I, I was shocked when my mom started asking me for, for... let me let me get one of those little candies. I was like, Mom, oh, for real? Oh, okay, you, Mama. Oh, you want an edible one? Oh, all right. See, things change once they get to that next, you know, right, age right. range. So, you know, they they open up a little more because I could sure have a whole bunch of open conversations with my grandma. Right, my mom, right. not so much. She's she not there yet. Right. So, okay, uh, maybe in the future. Well, with that said, um, again, thank you all for joining me. Uh, 15 Minutes of Flame, where we talk and talk about sex, cannabis, and many things in between. I hope all the moms and daughters and sisters and aunties out there, grandmamas and other mother figures in the village have a happy Mother's Day. And until next time, friends, stay elevated.